Guys, I'm Louis J, and this is Staying Alive, the podcast. And it's so good to get back in the saddle. We are back from a little hiatus, a little COVID time away, and so happy to report that uh, it feels good to be back, man. It sure does. I kind of don't know what to do. I forgot how to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take long. They say it's like riding a bike, but you know this bike might need some training wheels again. Yeah, I, I hope I set everything up properly. Um, Things, all the red lights are on, so I think everything's working. I'm just going to check this camera here. Yeah, so. red lights are important. Yeah. It tells you that you're doing something sometimes good and sometimes bad. But um, happy Father's Day, bud. We just kind of got through Father's Day this weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, finally got to see my my dad and my father-in-law. We had them over for a barbecue in the backyard. Uh, so that was great. It was great to see everybody and kind of felt like things were getting back to normal. Well, you know what I love seeing is all the, so, I mean, I had also a great Father's Day, um, you know, my, my kids and Tammy and everybody go out of their way to make me feel really special. I mean, all the time, but you know, they really, they did all the right things when it comes down to making sure the day was about me yesterday. And I like doing the same thing for my father uh, and my, you know, father-in-law just to make sure that they recognize that we honor and, and love and support and all that fun stuff. But that one day that you see social media pages just filled yeah. with, you know, people honoring their father and their husbands and their partners. And it's just really cool to see. I mean, I, I see it for Mother's Day, of course. You know, you see it in those special occasions and birthdays. But when you can see the walls of social media plastered with things that dad has done and the comments that, that people make about how important their role in this is, you know, and having that that figure to be able to, to look toward towards for you know support and mentoring and all that fun stuff so that was kind of cool i yeah. like seeing the, the trickle down is still happening today it was just yesterday so we'll see them for a little while and yeah there was an interesting uh, uh post that was in my social media feed um how they've done a study about dads being home during the pandemic and how that's really changed not only the dad's life but how important that father figure is to be home and how moving forward when we start to get back to work, there's going to be some very big changes um, with dads that have, I guess mostly have been away for work and traveling and everything else. And they're like, ah, that's not happening anymore. Like we're going to have to find a happy medium here because we notice a significant difference between my mental state, my children's mental state and my, my wife's mental state and how, positive it's been and these people are saying that they're going to make significant changes when things kind of get back to normal i really hope that that's that's the case and not just lip service because what we want not always is uh is what ends up happening and i too have that same kind of outlook where the connections the be the, the more time uh the shared responsibilities and it seems like the unit, I don't know, for us anyway, the unit is more cohesive. Like the things that I may never, when it comes to tasks and chores, I mean, you share those responsibilities anyway if you're if you're being responsible. Um, it's not just one-sided, but, you know, naturally, or, or maybe it shouldn't even be naturally. In some cases, it ended up, you know, falling in the laps of either me or, or Tammy or, you know, and now it seems like we're just all pitching in and, and the time and the conversations have been great. So I hope that people get a chance to really stick to their guns about where they want to see the change that they can be part of. Because 
uh, it would be a shame to have gone through all of this and then just try to go back to what it was because we've said it before too. There's no, there's no way that it's going to be exactly the way it was. You know, yeah. um, I think about, uh, I just met a guy at my cottage that was doing a little work and, you know, thinking about things not being the way it was. Um, he reached out to shake my hand and uh, I'm, I shook his hand <laughs> and I was like, my God, this is so weird. I don't think I've shaken anybody's hand for a year. Yeah. Like other than my immediate family. And even at that, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It was just an odd feeling. And I said to him, I go, oh, oh whoa, <laughs> you're, you're the first guy I've shook, I've shook a hand for. And that that obviously is going to be a really different moving forward piece for us. So, you know, I, I don't know how those moments look and, and if everybody's going to be able to stay on track with what they'd like to do versus what they end up doing. Uh, I know businesses are making significant changes to the way they operate from their office standpoint and who's going to be in and what days. And some of my clients are talking about a return in September um, optional. And so, you know, all of those little moments are going to have people finding that they're going to, they're going to be challenged with these nuances, like just a handshake. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal, you know? Um, So let's see how that all unfolds. But, you know, back to dad, it was, um, it was very cool to see a number of people talk about what you, you mentioned yeah. and that the family unit uh, has really, um, in a lot of cases, taken the priority seat as opposed to, you know, work first, work first, work, 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 work. And I think we've all, we all recognize that that is just not where we want to be. Mm-hmm. I get being driven, like, trust me, you know, being an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm jonesing. I just need a project yeah. that I can bring to life because that's what you do. That's what I do. And that's what I love doing. And, you know, and I see a little business opening down the street and I'm like, yes, there's something new coming. And even if it's not in my wheelhouse, I don't, I'm not interested in the product or the service or whatever. I just like seeing things grow and I like the development of stuff. And I like, you know, the family's growing in as, as a unit, the, the relationship stronger, the business, uh, you know, we always are looking to tweak things. We did a really cool initiative in the last month that we've been planning for years. So I'm chomping at the bit to keep on building and, and, and to make change and to, to perfect the machine or tweak it along the way, you know? So that's, that's my personality. I I think that there's going to be tremendous opportunity that comes of it as a result of all this. So um, one of the pieces we just did, you know, as the retail shop cabin, we launched our crate club, and that's uh, if you if you if you don't uh, understand by the name, of course, it's a subscription box club, and that's familiar to a lot of people. You right. know, um, it's uh, it's been in the in the works for a long while, and we thought, what better time than right now? I mean, we've had an increase in pers- in in people having the ability and the knowledge to go online and purchase online. So it's now becoming second nature for a lot of people and first nature in a lot of cases where they don't even want to go to stores anymore. Certainly not at this point. Other people, of course, are, 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 they can't wait for everything to reopen in full capacity. And I get that too, but we wanted to offer something that we could bring in store, but at the same time, uh, sell in, in, uh, in the world of online sales, because, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that we're interested in selling anything. I want to create really cool solutions. Right. And so this box subscription club, this crate club, we call it 
is um, is a chance to do that. So we launched that just for Father's Day. The first box was Father's Day related, and it was awesome. Like the subscriptions came in right away. It was overnight, you know, where people were excited about it. They loved the look and feel, the marketing materials for it. Um, a lot of thought went into it. And my goal was not to make a boatload of money off each box. My goal was to get people to be really excited when they opened the box. Right. And so I'm willing to, on this side of it, do what, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs would never think, but I'm, I've, I've taken deep, deep cuts to the margin mm -hmm. to be able to make sure that when people get this box, they go, are you kidding me? Like yeah. all of this is in that box for this. And, you know, I mean, if you're doing a one-off subscription or sorry, a one-off box, we priced it at $110 Canadian, um, a small delivery charge. Um, but that box is filled with like $190 worth of, of product like wow. retail. So you're seeing a significant, uh, discount. But, uh, for me, it wasn't like, let's make a lot of money off each box. Let's make sure when people open the box, they go, wow, like this is really worth it. Mm -hmm. So individual boxes sold out, which was awesome. I loved seeing that. I didn't know what to expect. So you put a did you cap it at a certain number? Well, we didn't cap it. We, we said we, we would fit, refill as we, we went along, but we did enough to say that um, we refilled once and then got to the date when Father's Day came yesterday. And by Saturday, um, that inventory that we had prepared, that second round of re refreshing, um, was sold out, and we did a lot of curbside pickup. So people oh, wow. just came to pick up. Uh, and of the one-off boxes that were sold, um, we had... Uh, about 50% um, in addition to that, that became subscriptions. So wow. like they're going to get something cool every month yeah. coming to the doorstep and it's, it's uniquely positioned for dad and, you know, or, and this first one was, and then it's for generally, you know, people that like the aesthetic of cabin. So right. it doesn't have to be a guy, but my gosh, like you're going to love the stuff that ends up coming there. And that I think, you know, might've been pushed, pushed off a little bit if it wasn't for the time we were given to be able to perfect the machine because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Manufacturer or finding manufacturers, the right product mix, the right pricing, and then the logistics behind pick pack and ship. It's, mm -hmm. you know, there's, um, there's a lot of moving pieces to this little puzzle. So I'm thrilled for it. Um, we'll see how we, uh, how we end up growing that business, but I end up in my mind, you know, looking for the future, it would be that, we've gone way past uh, what a potential store could generate in revenue. I see the the subscription boxes being a thing that we're not going to say goodbye to anytime soon. Uh, I know they're hugely popular in some parts of the world. And, you know, uh, I, I know that there's specific boxes for certain audiences. Um, you know, my kids get a box, I forget from the name of the company, but it's a mixture of, of stuff that would appeal to, you know, um, 20, 20 year old girls, uh, that typically like this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. In this case, ours is, you know, you could be a 20-year-old guy, a 60-year-old guy, and love everything that comes in the box. So yeah. I see this as being one of those programs that, that grows well beyond my expectation. And all we need to do is keep on fueling it with some really good products and good messaging. Yeah, I think for your personality, you like, you like finding neat and eclectic things, as you can see from this shop. Um, but I think this is really going to put you in a, in a space now where you're like, I have to go out and it, cause you love doing that stuff, doing the research, going yes. to places, going to New York, finding all these unique things. 
But I think now knowing that there's a subscription base, it's like you've got to step up. You've yes. got to perform yes. now and really knock it out of the park, which is what you do. Well, thank you. <laughs> but you're right, though. Now, you know, it's almost like um, it's it was one thing to, to fill the line or to line the walls and the shelves here at Cabin with product because that was, you know, what you have in mind. And people are going to come in and they're going to shop. And, yes, we're going to do an online version of that. And people are going to be able to shop from the website. But now I'm driven to be able to find unique and creative goods that go well beyond what we could put on the shelves here. So you're right. Like, uh, we're really excited. I got a, a full team on this. I can't take all the credit because I really, you know, I'm a part of this puzzle. Um, but these guys have worked so hard to bring this to life, man. I'm so proud of, of the team's effort. And now we're all, you know, uh, searching feverishly for what goes in the next box. I mean, we got the we got the first six boxes uh, lined up already. Right. We know exactly yeah. what's happening, but you know that seventh box is going to be something that we don't we haven't unearthed yet. Yeah. You know, we haven't figured out. We I can't find it. But when we do, man, it's going to be really cool. But now you're challenged, like now I'm challenged. Yeah. yeah. And then what else goes with it? You know, um, is there an add on? Do you do you do you create? Um, do you? I mean, we want to create. Uh, gratitude around that subscription. So, oh, of course, we're grateful that you've put your trust in us, that on a, a monthly basis, you're going to be charged X to get, you know, our box. So I'm grateful for that. So what can come from that? Does, uh, we've already ran our first contest for, for subscription holders mm -hmm. where they're going to enjoy um, a complimentary four-person service on a Saturday morning at Cabin. They're pretty much going to own Cabin for the morning. Oh, wow. So, you know, you plus three of your buddies come in for uh, an intimate, you know, kind of uh, back backroom breakfast. We'll have a caterer come in and do some breakfast for them. We'll do something cool there. And then they'll come up to the front and use the chairs. The barbers will treat them to any service that they like. And to me, that's like, yeah, there's an investment there from our side, a significant one, but I'm grateful. Yeah. So if you're going to come into my house, I want to treat you like, you know, with respect and honor the fact that you've supported this. So I, I'm looking forward to those kind of things as we grow this forward. You know, maybe it's a spin and win one month for all the subscription box holders and that stuff gets me excited. Yeah. I mean, if I can't keep on moving, you know, the, the, the needle a little bit, um, I never want to rest on my laurels and think that it's good enough as it is because there's always something else. Yeah, it seems that it's coming at a, in an interesting time because it's obviously it seems like we're opening up more. And what does that mean for you? Because you've got three shops. Well, first of all, I want to make one comment. We hardly plug anything. For those that are listening or watching this right now, how do they get involved with the, the Cabin Box uh, Club? Is it oh, Crate cool. Club? Yeah, Crate. it's uh, Cabin Crate Club. Okay. And they can find out the information on cabingoods.ca. Uh, we will ship to North America. However, uh, the Canadian prices for shipping are much more reasonable. Um, so cabingoods.ca, you can find out all the information there about the Crate Club. Um, and the cool thing is we decided, we had an option, just as a point of reference, we had an option to be like some box subscriptions where you know exactly what's in that box and you can choose to opt in or opt out. Um, in our case, we decided that you can pause, cancel at any time, but the box is a mystery and nice. it's, it's curated by us. And we thought that we must be onto something cool because a lot of people love what we put on the shelves here. And they, they always comment like you just did Frank about, you know, you always find unique and creative items. And that's what I think half the fun is you open up this, you know, surprise once a month. So we want to, we want to maintain and stay to that. 
you know, we'll have the opportunity to have you order boxes that we prepared previously, but the one that's coming to you next month, total surprise. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for thanks for thinking like that because I don't usually plug and no, we don't and promote and yeah. you know, but that that I think is something to talk about and sure. it's cool and and only because I'm really proud of it and I think when you get it, you're gonna be like, wow, I'm glad I got this. Yeah, cool, thanks. No, no problem. So moving forward, you have three shops. Uh, obviously, been closed for longer than a year. What like what are the next steps for you and how are you being informed and what is your as an entrepreneur like? How do you tackle what's ahead which is uh there's a lot of theories out there what's ahead in our futures but for you personally you know what what's your strategy right now well yeah we um i'm informed just like everyone else uh there's no advance notice to any of us out there so actually i'm informed often when i get a text or an email from a media out of like a news channel that says we want to interview you because of these comments that were said today from um a political you know uh, leader in, in in our case um so let's yeah. step back you were just recently on cbc news uh, yeah cbc yeah. uh reached out because there was um um a, a hope from one of the local municipal mayors patrick uh, brown from brampton not too far from our area um it's part he's part of peel his region's part of peel so we all get lumped into some kind of group together but he had he'd really been pushing hard for personal service environments like ours like this barbershop um, to open sooner than than was promised, and that promise was July second. So, and his argument is a that number one, um, they've always been highly regulated, and and protocols have been in place well before COVID. There's never been a trace back to outbreaks in personal service environments, and we can control the speed, the time, the the capacity. Um, the other part of it too is that we are in such a steady decline uh, for case numbers daily that. Um, we mitigate risk. So we're, as we're in a place where risk is mitigated. So let's move this forward. Let's get these guys back to open because we have suffered uh, the longest lockdown in North America. And in personal services has been really, um, I would think, the biggest hit next to musicians. I can't, you know, I mm-hmm. can't forget those folks as well as you know, uh, gyms, restaurants, restaurants. I mean, restaurants in a lot of cases, you know, not to suggest that they've made it, it's easy for the restaurants because it, they've had to make some really significant moves and, 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 and investments, investments, too, yeah. Yeah. investments. And it's not what it was, but I know some restaurant owners that say, you know, we did okay. Like, you know, takeout's been kind of our blessing. So they had takeout, we had nothing, you know, mm. other than online sales for products, if you had them, but most barbershops don't have a product mix like we do. So his his point, you know, to the um, provincial government was that we should get these guys back open. Let's move this forward. And, you know, a point that I made in an earlier interview was what you're doing by keeping us locked down is you're really growing a gray market or an underground economy. Um, because when push comes to shove, these professional services, workers, barbers, uh, nail techs, hair salon, um, um, hairdressers, uh, color techs, they, they are on a significant reduction in wage, like a lot of people, you know, but uh, add to it that a bulk of their income comes from tips and you can't have that without, without seeing people. They certainly can't sell their products online. So, They've gone to doing backyard cuts, mm-hmm. you know, uh, garage cuts, kitchen cuts, whatever you want to call them. 
And now, you know, they've put themselves at risk uh, through the height of this when people were, well, were in the thousands of numbers a day and they're getting calls from their customers and texts and whatnot saying, you know, come to my backyard, um, I'll pay you a premium, you know, and when push comes to shove and you've got to put food on the table and you're at a deficit, you know, you're going to do what you need to do. So, but they're also, we don't know if they follow the protocols like you've had set up here prior to being uh, shut down. Well, that's the thing. Now they're putting themselves at risk. They're putting uh, the customer at risk. Um, there's no tracing. There's no conversation around that. Nobody wants to be um, found out. So it's really, it really is underground. Mm-hmm. Um, with any luck, the the providers, the barbers and hairdressers have, you know, really pushed forward their safety protocols, but there's nobody regulating it. There's no, um, there's no management of that. So come on, like, you know, when it didn't take long for everybody to look around outside in the last month and see all these haircuts, yeah. you know, it's like when you got a good looking haircut, there's somebody that cut it and chances are it's not your partner or wife or your daughter um, or son. It's somebody in the, in the field. So you know, it's starting to look pretty bad that, you know, when you're regulating it over here, you're preventing the shop owners from opening the shops and actually, you know, getting money back in the till. I've said often, it's not even about profitability anymore. It's just about making sure you pay all the bills. Right. Not to mention that underground economy doesn't, uh, doesn't contribute to our tax base. The other thing it doesn't do is... Um, it doesn't allow the shop to make money back to pay the loans that we've taken out from our government support. And granted, very grateful that those things happened and those those relief efforts were made available to us. Not everybody qualified. It wasn't easy to get. But for those of us that did get it, that window of payback hasn't been extended. It's the date. You have to have it paid back by this date or the interest charges and then the penalties and then the forgivable piece of that goes out the window. And so now when we've got less time to perform to actually get that money to put back into somebody else's pocket for money that wasn't used for anything other than survival, you're now like, come on, man, you know, we really got to get back to work and we got to do it safely and, 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 and. And, you know, I'm going to leave that to somebody that asks the barber to come over and cut the hair out on the deck. No, that's not right. So anyway, I was grateful that CBC had called up and said, you know, what's your position on this? And um, I've been fortunate that over the course of COVID, uh, I don't know, there's been maybe 10, 12 um, times for me to be able to get uh, a chance to have a voice for small business. Mm. Um I'm grateful for that. I think that they must recognize that that I have an opinion and it's not about complaining and yelling and screaming and telling everybody how bad of a job they, they've been doing because I don't really feel that. I think there's been some missteps along the way, but I don't feel like they've, you know, navigated us completely in disaster. In some places, yes, for sure. In some decisions, like, what did you do there? But I never find that complaining about it really gets you anywhere. So I like taking action. And as a result of that, you know, I've been planning, what does this look like for us to come to July 2nd? Are we ready for it? What do we change? And that's the official date of uh, opening up for you guys? this point it's really within two weeks so that's you know a really good sign now you know, i don't want to be no i know i don't want to count my chickens um 
because we've had that happen before. We yeah. went down that road and then there was a reopen promised and then within days it was snatched away and you know that really put a, a, a tailspin on this that made it not good for a lot of people, us included. Um, but no, to your first point, Frank asking the question around you know what's next, um, I'm anxious to get the shops open. We've remodeled, uh, not physically, but the business operation. We've taken the time to make sure that our protocols and our, our operating procedures are in place um, so that when we bring on our new teams in this new environment, you know, um, some of which we won't even know what they look like until they get a chance to take the mask off, you know, and, and if and when that happens, we hope we made a good choice mm-hmm. <laughs> because who knows. But um. The point there is, is that we had a chance to kind of rejig all the things that we thought were wrong, cash procedures that could have used a little help, um, you know, uh, just overall the amount of times we train our team, we sit down and collectively get together as a group to talk about, you know, how we can make improvements to the shop. So that's, you know, number one. So prepared for a, a very busy reopen, you know, get the, the team's mental capacity um, up and running because, They've, in a lot of cases, been on, you know, like everyone else, vacation, you know, where the schedule's not the same, the demand on the body's not the same, um, the demand coming back isn't going to be a slow transition, it's going to be like a tsunami mm-hmm. that comes back for three or four weeks. And you um, also can't expect your staff to be working 14-hour right. days just to make up. That's right. For, because you're so booked, like it's a balance, right? Well, like, and yeah, that's where people kind of make the comments and I, they're gracious comments. They're not like I'm criticizing the comments, but they really don't know. Like you guys are going to be slammed when you get back. Well, who does that help? You know, for, <laughs> from, from my perspective, yes, it would be nice that the cash register is ringing, but at what cost? Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm going to have a, a, a guy over here that's now on his eighth or ninth hour and using his hands or her hands and back and legs and feet and all that stuff. And, you know, that we need to transition that in so that it's responsible. Um, it's respectful uh, because it is a, a skilled trade profession that requires, you know, some physicality. It's not like they're running marathons, but after a day on your feet for eight hours, um, you know. And um, arms being up. Right. Like. They're, they're so used to it yes over time, over time. But i mean when you get back well now and it's not like we've been out for a couple of weeks we've been out for a year and a half more and we were only open in there for 88 days in that whole time so Jeez. they really need to retrain their bodies but beyond that this is the part that i think a lot of people miss but um, can you take lessons learned from when we you guys did reopen yes, yes. and then it wasn't busy it, we we, we uh, are taking a big lesson. We've taken a step back for expectations. We have a little kind of window as to what that looks like. And um, we had that three weeks of just constant go, go, go. And then people were afraid to come. And they didn't, the numbers were kind of moving all around. It was, we're open, but we're very cautious. And so they didn't. They got their hair cut and then they didn't have to wait, you know, for another three or four or five, six weeks, whatever it was that their regular schedule was, even longer because they're okay to go without so we were we were quiet, like, and then all of a sudden, what do you do? And, you know, we just ramped up. We put products on the shelves. We got people standing behind chairs, you know, waiting right, happily. Ready for Christmas to come. Yeah, and Christmas did not come. So we had to be creative and inventive in the way we operated there just to make sure that, you know, we could keep the doors open. Because all of a sudden, just because the doors are open, everybody's got their hand out again. The landlords, utility companies, you know, the insurance, the blah, the blah, the blah. 
and you know we weren't making the money and so you kind of like you know that was like a really bad tease you know as to where things could have went so we know that coming into it now that's mm-hmm. an expectation we also recognize that people psych psyche uh, and their 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 approach to this has changed um vaccinations definitely are um in, in my opinion, and it's only an opinion, are the way out. You know, I'm not suggesting that you, if you don't like vaccinations, you don't have to go get one. Don't listen to me for that. But I'm telling you from a moving forward standpoint, from from a community, from a from a, a people's moving point, like when businesses are allowed to reopen because vaccinations are working, then I'm jumping on the side of vaccinations so that everybody can get back to whatever that normal will be. Um for me beyond that you know just in reopening the shops i expect that we'll do that you know peak and valley and then we'll get back to a peak and then we'll moderate it and and it'll be somewhat steady as you go um which i'm looking forward to uh steady as you go is nice because you can manage things a little bit you know with some insights and some some foresights and one of the foresights that i have now is that um, we need more cabins. I need more shops. I need, um, from a personal standpoint, I need to build out more of these environments, um, especially now because guys, you know, from and I'm talking about my, my staff's mental capacity and where they're at, you know, from how they approach things, um, we got to, if we're getting back to how this place existed, why I built this, it really was the safe haven for us guys. You mm-hmm. know? And, and if I get back to where we need to be, I think places like this are going to be even more important moving forward. Absolutely. You know, like we need this connection that's not, uh, if don't don't get me wrong, if I'm not saying that you, it's not a restaurant or bar or a, a busy, fast-paced environment, concert, we need all those things too. You need your, your chance to be able to pick and choose what makes you really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens that this kind of environment makes of of a lot of people happy right and they're not all from one um you know kind of cloth Mm -hmm. we've got like i said earlier like you know millennials and we've got teenagers and we've got grandfathers and business guys and 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 uh and blue collar and we've got such an incredible eclectic mix of guys that found um solace they found like comfort here and I think we need to have those places kind of rein, reinvigorate us and making sure that we've got not just to come and buy a pair of underwear, but to, to get a haircut, to have conversations, to have that banter. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's so important. So my hope is that we're actively searching for locations. Um, I'm moving forward. Uh, I know there's been lots of talk around, you know, a big crash coming and, the economy is going to go south and we're not going to recover. And um, I've also got thoughts on that. So I, and I have tons of questions. Oh, about okay. That Let's too. do that. Let's Actually, go. before we get into that, I do want to talk about, you have one, one of your uh, storefronts is in a real high uh, foot traffic area, which is union station downtown. Yeah. Downtown Toronto, downtown Toronto. And of course we're going to talk about predictions and speculations moving forward. But a lot of people speculate that half the workforce might choose to stay home if that op- option presents itself. So I'm sure you're going to have to take a different approach on what the expectations of that one location versus the other two. You know, how do you go about that? Uh, try and laying that groundwork for that. Yeah. So um, we recognize too that the number one trafficked 
foot trafficked area in Canada is Toronto Union Station. It pre pre COVID was basically a city moving through the walls of that building every single day, 280, 290,000 people. Wow. Of which I would say um, at least half of them would have walked in front of our shop at some point. And so let's just kind of uh, set the table here. Massive renovation. They had all these wonderful plans of bringing in unique shops and restaurants, and it was, you know, taking uh, longer than expected. It's probably still going on. Right? Oh, yeah, for certain. And huge investment in there. Um, so I, my curiosity is like, okay, what what is the plan and what is the strategy for all these businesses, including yourself, no, knowing that maybe half the work, workforce shows up? That that is going to be the case. Not maybe. Okay. Half the work for half the workforce is going to show up, um, and the way I look at it, a we never could have serviced the full workforce to right. begin with. Okay. <laughs> so if I'm looking at a percentage of the percentage of the percentage, right, I'm still ahead of the game because okay. all we really need to do it is find that one group that love what we offer. And make sure that we service the hell out of them. Okay. Because they still, they will come back. We're not going to get as many to choose from. And we don't have a a net that's so large anymore. The net's smaller. But even the smallest of nets in Toronto Union Station is the biggest of nets in most other markets. Right. So I look at it like it doesn't really affect us, you know, in the sense of, um, if nobody goes back to work downtown, then we definitely have a problem. Yeah. But that's not going to be the case. It's going to evolve. It's going to uh, see a transition from here to there, from less to more. Um, and quite frankly, it had us look at the market a little differently when we came back at the first reopening where I recognized that too many people in Union Station, too many retailers and businesses are actually focused on exactly what you think we all should be, which is that foot traffic. When in fact, there's thousands and thousands of people that live um, in that neighborhood. And during our, our, our reopen, when we became really quiet after that first tsunami came through, it was a chance for me to say, we should talk to our neighbors. You know, we should invite our neighbors in. And I was feeling very neighborly at that moment where it's like, you know, take care of your neighbor. So we put out um, a direct mail to that neighborhood, the people that live, eat, and sleep there, um, and suggested that, hey, neighbor, we're here. We're here to say hi, and we're here to take care of you. So we'd love to offer you a complimentary haircut, Mm. um, you know, um, just like a hello neighbor thing. And, yeah, that was probably suicide for a lot of people. They would never approach it that way. But I thought this was a good chance to... Make sure that our barbers um, and our front of house staff were active. There was there was people walking into the shops safely, um, but at the same time, invest in my communities so that you know at some point when everything comes back, they would know who and what we were because they may never have taken the time beforehand to to, to look at us as an option because they didn't know we were there. Right. And you know when you're focused on one thing, you always have to keep your eyes open for what else is around. Because you can't just be so myopic. You can't just be singled out on what your direction is. I find that, like, even in, in when we talked earlier about business, if you have your eyes open a little wider, 
you can probably find something you never knew was there. And I'll tell you, as a result of, we put out 16,000 um, invitations to come and get a complimentary haircut. Wow. Yes. I mean, there's that many in, in the in the immediate trading area. There's that many people that live there. Wow. So I've got a small little community that's right around us that has been ignored by anybody else in that neighborhood. Um, so I said hello. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, we had upwards of 2,000 redemptions, which is great. I mean, given that we're in the middle of a pandemic, right. people are, 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 we are seeing naturally pulling back from stuff. And you know what the number one comment was from the people that were redeeming the cuts? And you get, of course, those tire kickers and you get those coupon people that yep. just, they'll drive 10 miles to get something for free and they'll never see you again. Right. Going into it full under, fully understanding that's the case. I get yeah. that. There's a percentage what, what, of these What people. they call in fishing a bycatch. A bike, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> right? By you're, the way, you're targeting a specific species, right? And sometimes you might get, you know, something over a there. little bike catch that's right. not what you're intended to, but they right. go back in the ocean. They go back in the ocean, and that's that's exactly what it is. I'm going to use that from now on. But the number one comment that we heard over and over and over again is, "I never knew you guys were here." Wow, you know, and we've never um, put out um, a traditional advertising campaign or a marketing campaign. We've, re, you know, kind of um, We've relied almost entirely on word of mouth and referral. And, and community too, right? Community's yeah. huge. I mean, that's that's how we really get our message out there. But we don't take out print ads. We don't buy um, um, sponsorship. We don't, we, just, we don't do what everybody else typically does. And so I found that that was a really cool activation for us because it got people that never knew we were there understanding that we were there. And the other piece was, and you're reasonably priced. So when you start mixing in all these elements to say, do I really understand who my market is? First of all, I got to meet a bunch of new people. The ones that came back were pleasantly surprised that we weren't, you know, price gouging just because of where we were. Sure, we probably could be a little higher in our pricing, but I'm not about that. I'm about like, you know, is that fair? Was it value? Is it going to make the shop profitable? Is it going to make the, the, the barbers and the service people happy? You know, is, is this whole machine working? Because not always do you have to make it all on one go. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's, that's how we're going to survive in the likes of Union Station, high traffic areas that doesn't see the return to glory, you know, the, the, the former days. Not in the immediate. Not in the immediate. Yeah. But there's no choice. There's no chance that we can't get back to that once you start recognizing that that's Canada's number one transportation hub uh, for for train service, and there was an investment in there for a reason, oh right? My like gosh. tons, tons. They're not going to just money. go three years over the <laughs> scheduled time to do this renovation, keep sinking dollars into it, not expecting to have some kind of uh, return. Well, that and that was to your point. It was a ten-year plan. I think we're in the twelfth or thirteenth year right now. And Ten year, wow. Yeah, they've been working on Union for. Well over ten years now, <laughs> it's a massive, massive undertaking. I'm just happy that a they they found us, they invited us to be part of that mix, because once we do get back to glory days, um, you'll be able to see that really cool, well curated, um, almost like boutique style environment. They, but that was their approach, right? Yes. Can you kind of yeah, let so us in on how that What happened? I loved about it, it was like, imagine Grand Central Station for anybody that's visited New York, um, oh, and awesome. you see all of the markets, the the places that are in the flower shop, the fishmonger. 
Um, you see the the tailor, the seamstress, the retailers that are all in there. It's 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 a small city in itself, um, but all of those shops were so well uh, positioned beside each other. They complemented each other, and they became um, utilitarian. Like and there's you, standards too, right? You oh You can't yes, just throw yes. shit in your window. No way. And, yeah. yeah, and that's the that's the one challenge that we've had that I didn't really expect. But they are they're putting a lot of effort into making sure that the shops in Toronto Union Station uh, meet that standard and exceed it. Because you know we've heard number of times during the build out like, well, this is Union. You can't do that. You can't, you can't do this. And I'm like, well, this is cabin. <laughs> this is what we are. And so we ended up, you know, at some points butting heads on that development. Interesting. But um, all for the for the better. You right. know, it ended up creating, um, first of all, a conscious effort. We we're all we're all looking to make it the best. Their opinion of best versus my opinion of best may have been a little bit, you know, um, challenged. But it was in efforts to make it a great experience for the for the uh, for the shopper, mm-hmm. and so to that point, um, they're creating a, a bunch of really cool zones in Union Station. They've dug down. Their food market is is incredible. Like quality of food is incredible. I mean, you do have your standards in there too, like the fast food service places, McDonald's and the likes. But beyond that, you know that unique pierogi place, that incredible J- Japanese. It, like their their food market is like that, like. Isn't there like a croissant or Danish place or something? Yes, yes. Uh, Danish pastry. There you go. Wow. it's um, <laughs> That's a little too close to our shop for my <laughs> liking. But, you know, um, you know, you got uh, f- uh, Forno Biscot. I can't, really, I can't even say the name. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But really, really high-end um, pastries and biscottis and, and things of that effect. But So I feel like we're in a good mix, you know, mm-hmm. like that we're part of a, a unique service offering. Um product offering, food offering, and in a place where you've tailored it to the market. Like these people are on the go. So, you know, pick up and go and a quick uh, a quick haircut. Our, our haircuts are 30 minutes, so not necessarily as quick as some people expect, but we, we don't we don't go that route. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more about providing value and time and, and managing this time-honored uh, tradition. So in any case, um, yeah, the, the the idea was that Toronto Union would become the jewel in the crown and it'll be the legacy piece for Toronto to be very proud of. We've got some iconic uh, environments, the CN Tower, Roger Stadium. Is it still Roger Stadium? Yeah. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. So um, the stadium, the... Scotiabank Arena. Arena, the Hall of Fame, the, the uh, aquarium. Mm-hmm. Like we've got some iconic uh, must-see... Uh, venues in the city all within you know, a couple of minute walk and so too should be toronto union this incredible historic building which is uh seeing its glory days kind of revisited so uh, I, and in our shop we have we've honored that history and legacy by showing old vintage photos that look cabin like but they are of union station oh wow yeah so you can see you know um Hordes and hordes of people outside of Union Station looking to commute, you know, back in the 40s and the 30s. And it's really, really cool just to see I'm standing in the same spot that they stood in, you know, that entrepreneur that was there that had a shop, you know, down the street or he was there, I'm there. It was that kind of stuff makes me really excited. I like seeing things that are old and and have history and connections to people. And that building is one of them. Pretty special, actually. Yeah. I used to use it a lot. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's and that's where the other part of it too. By 2020, they said we would be going to 24-hour train service, Whoa, and uh, okay. that that's been sizably delayed as a result of you know no traffic. But uh, they're still making investments, right, oh, yeah. on transport and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. I know Kipling Station is it's going to be a new go bus hub, and yeah, huge investments. Yeah. Yeah, so for, you know, what's next and us looking forward, you know. Yeah, um, what's next looking forward? I yeah. got some questions. Yeah, go for it. Because there's a lot of stuff being uh, in social media, YouTube, and everything else. Michael Burry, uh, the the investor guy who was portrayed in the movie The Big Short, okay. has been making some tweets about and deleting these tweets about, uh, you know, this big bubble crash in the economy. Inflation is going to kill us. There's a lot of... It's, it's not noise. I mean, people are trying to uh, prepare others for the, the, the moves they make moving forward because it's so unpredictable coming off a pandemic. Uh, supply change, inflation is going to kill us. Housing market is going to crash. There's all these bits of information out there. And as an entrepreneur, you know, how, how do you take that information? Do you look at that information? Does that help you make decisions, strategizing in terms of how you move forward? Or do you kind of graze over it and still have your plan in sight as to, you know, how does that affect you, your business, and how you move forward, plan to grow, plan to downsize? Like, does that stuff penetrate? Uh, I think it's always in the back of your mind. You are listening to where people are saying things are about to happen, you know, and the crystal balls are sometimes a little cloudy, sometimes they're crystal clear. And here's my take on it. Okay. I've never really cared much about what anybody else thought. If somebody told me that we're about to hit a pandemic and, you know, I sat down for lunch well before this last, this well, this episode, and um, one of my clients said, I think this is really going to have an effect on the economy. I thought for a second, wow, you know, that's, that's actually th- something to think about. If it's bigger than we expect, yeah, then that will have an effect on our economy. I couldn't see any of that happening like most of us. So I typically don't listen to the noise. Um about what's the next trend and how are you supposed to invest and what are you doing to protect and are you going to be able to manage? Do you do you downsize? Do you upsize? Um, because a lot of it I find is noise. And I think, quite frankly, that you should be focused on your goal, on your plan. But like I, I just said, having your focus a little wider so that you can see some of these challenges that might be coming your way um, that's going to be the best option. And the way I like to manage is that, yes, even if we all went into a massive crash and uh, that trickle down will get to average people, you know, um, are they still going to need to socialize? Are they still going to eat? Are they still going to drink? Are they going to open the door to their, you know, uh, to their backyard and, you know, we talked earlier, but are they going to see the trees and the birds and the world really hasn't changed for them that significantly? And if it's that big of a crash, then, and it is affecting us all, then, you know, are we not all in the same boat? So what would happen to me then as a business owner in a number of businesses? How is it going to affect way, the way I perform? And how is it going to affect what I'm offering? Well, I have to be conscious of it. I have to recognize that it's happening and then I have to do what I've always done. You end up steering the boat. So does that mean that if the market crashes and we're all pinched for, for money and we don't want to put our 
the, our hard-earned dollars or our now non-existent dollars into, you know, things that, that make us happy. We're not spending socially like we used to. Then does that mean that we adjust prices? Does that mean that we create another offering that can make it more economical for them? Do If we're all facing it together and I... I watched what somebody else said was going to happen and I start to see it happen. Do I scale my, my, my offering? Mm -hmm. And the easy answer is yeah, because your audience dictates how you operate just because you've built it doesn't necessarily always mean they will come. Yeah, know, just, a, just like, for example, if you were, there's no pandemic and your businesses increase by 20%, you have to make, some kind of an ad adjustment, adjustment, right? Yeah. So would you say you're more of uh, what happens now is most important than what might potentially happen? Well, I think uh, I've always said you have to be a bit of a futurist. Right. You have to see, you know, where you're going to get there, um, but you don't have to necessarily navigate to the to the degree that some people do, in my opinion, you know, Um I could wander and meander, I could run, I can take the direct path, or I can take a scenic route. And if my audience dictates I take a scenic route, then I'm taking a scenic route. Right. Because that's where I think, as an entrepreneur, we have, um, I said it way back in a podcast, but we're like natural kind of um, engineers. You know, we're problem solvers, if you're good at it. Not every entrepreneur is good. So I don't, I want to make that distinction. Just because you're doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to do. And maybe you, you want it more than you, than you actually need it. And, you know, so I like to look at trying to predict what my market needs. And if I see that the behavior of my market's going to change because we've all lost our jobs or there's a potential that our house is going to be taken and we can no longer afford the luxury vehicles, then how am I going to service that change in my audience's um, kind of makeup, what they're doing, how are they operating? Well, just like Union Station not having the traffic, it's perfectly fine. When we get to the point where it has no traffic, then we need a different business right? altogether. So what do I do to save that business? You know, mm -hmm. Do I consider um, potentially changing the, the the service offerings do we do mobile does it become mm -hmm. uh, does it become a marketing ploy at that point and we now have vehicles out visiting locations uh, in people's offices do right. we do we tag that along with a massage uh, service so do we do hair and massage and we can do a wellness day at the office like it's to me it's like the the, the opportunities are endless if you know who you're trying to service and if what and who you're trying to service has changed as a result of the financial market, then make sure that you've created a solution that's going to get them really happy, you know, and, and going to take care of their needs. And does that mean a $50 haircut is out the window? Is it $25 now? Or is it that you being part of our community can you receive a two for one or, or something like that, you know, and not always is it that people stop spending when they're challenged with financial crisis and in a lot of cases, I think you'll see in a lot of environments, people spend more. Um, they just don't spend it on the things that you would expect. Right. And I'll, and I'll give you a good example. Um, people that are really challenged with finances uh, tend to buy things that are well beyond 
their uh, their threshold for pain. It's an insatiable want. Mm-hmm. They buy electronics that they can't afford. They buy pleasure uh, sins that they can't afford. Um, uh, cannabis, cigarettes, alcohol. You know, those are all unnecessary, but those are where the money goes to. So, you know, not always are the times when you're when you're financially challenged are you actually spending in a place that makes the most sense. Right. So we're creatures of habit. We like to be pleased and we like to feel good. And, you know, to that point, a product and a service like what we're offering in this case, I think we'll always have a chance to be able to to make it into the hands of the people that want it the most. But I think from a business standpoint, you end up looking at what can you do to scale it to serve the audience the best. So you have to have a bit of a future hat on. You don't have to be, like I say, so, so focused on on how to get there. You just have to know where you're going. Right. You know, and so if you're talking about investments and, you know, what are people going to do? Well, what about all my, what about my, my, my financial investments? Like, where am I going to, do I have to liquidate now? Do I hold on for the long haul? And all I know, and I don't know a lot about it, mm-hmm. is that anybody that's ever sat down in front of me talking about financial investments, talk about, look for the long future. Right. And it'll always have a way to kind of correct itself along the way. Um, I think that's probably the same here. You know, we ended up taking a big hit when the market crashed last time with our RSPs. Right. Um, you know, but it all kind of came back. back. It's all, it's the same. So I lost a little time but I didn't lose my finances. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, invested in higher risk. And uh, lost everything. And lost everything. Yeah. So that's about where your threshold is. Right. High risk, high reward. Um, slow and steady always wins the race, or so they say. So I look to those kind of things as being, where's the future going to be? And I don't really get too caught up in the noise of it all. I still want to open more cabins. Right. You know, I still want to create more environments for people to be happy in. Because so the, the whole thing here is happiness and, is. and that feeling of, of being a part of something. That's it. And I think that people will always invest in that no matter how much money they have. On the other side of it, too, the other businesses, you know, um, I look the same way. Like, you know, we changed the focus of the, um, uh, of the marketing and event business to go from live to online. And that was, you know, that was a no brainer. Well, where did the market go? They went online. So where do we go online? We dominated online. You know, all of our clients were treated first in class for a brand new environment that they had no idea would ever exist or need to exist. And as a result, we learned a lot. We also drove the boat. Like we ended up becoming the leaders in that space um, for how we executed because we took, again, what our audience wanted and polished it up, made it really good, presented it. They loved it. They got through uh, some very awkward times where they didn't know what to expect, but um, it got back to just opening. In my case, my team opened our ears. We listened and then we, we shifted everything like overnight. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about, you know, what the, financial future has to to kind of say i'm more interested in what the people want and you got to just do your thing too right like that's most important is just continue to do your thing be you and be authentic yeah let's face it there's been people that have made you know if it's if money is your measure Mm. like you know it's not mine but if money is your measure people have made a significant amounts of money in the most stressful and, and distressed times um 
and this one is a perfect example that we're just going through. There's some people that have have made money they never expected to, to come close to. Right. Um, because they just had their head down. They recognized that there was an opportunity. They created a solution and they served the audience. So it's always back to the same thing. Yeah. What, what's your service level? Are you serving excellence? Are you serving something that somebody, you know, might like, but you like more? <laughs> Are you in this business for them or for you? You know, and if you find that happy medium, then, and you're doing both, then my God, haven't you made it to like the best place? You're happy about delivering. Your audience is happy about receiving. Uh, angels sing. The harps come out. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want? Yeah. I mean, that's magic. That's yeah. where it really is. So I, that's where I, I'm looking, you know, I get it. I'm uh, People are very, very worried about what's next. Um, I tend not to worry. Uh, I'm optimistic, as you know. And I think that as if you're starting out and you're an entrepreneur out there and you're trying to figure it out, this is a great time to figure out stuff because it's such an incredible shift um, in the way people operate, in the way businesses are operating and the tolerance and expectations are all over the map right now. You can really kind of define who and what you want to be. And so I'd say jump in, you know, the water might be a bit cold, a little frigid, but it always warms up, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing all the right things. Yeah. So guys, I thank you for the time today. It's been a good chance to get back in and talk. I love talking about business. Um, I want to put some more, you know, spin on creativity in the next round because I yeah. think that's where some of the great business ideas come from. So I'm looking forward to the next podcast and uh, thanks for spending time with me today. If you liked the content you heard, then please um, hit that like, uh, share, subscribe, any of those buttons uh, because that means something to me. It certainly is uh, an indication that we're on the right track. So please do that guys and uh, have yourself a great uh, day and stay safe. We'll see you soon.